Harper Audio presents Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen, performed by Claire Bloom. Published in 1813, it remains one of the most widely read works in the English language. It is a truth universally acknowledged that a single man in possession of a good fortune must be in want of a wife. However little known the feelings or views of such a man may be on his first entering a neighborhood, this truth is so well fixed in the minds of the surrounding families that he is considered as the rightful property of some one or other of their daughters. My dear Mr. Bennett, said his lady to him one day, have you heard that Netherfield Park is let at last by a young man of large fortune from the north of England? He is to take possession before Michaelmas, and some of his servants are to be in the house by the end of next week. What is his name? Bingley. Is he married or single? Oh, single, my dear, to be sure. A single man of large fortune. Four or five thousand a year. What a fine thing for our girls. How so? How can it affect them? My dear Mr. Bennet, replied his wife, how can you be so tiresome? You must know that I am thinking of his marrying one of them. Is that his design in settling here? Design? Nonsense! How can you talk so? But it is very likely that he may fall in love with one of them, and therefore you must visit him as soon as he comes. I see no occasion for that. You and the girls may go, or you may send them by themselves, which perhaps will be still better, for you are as handsome as any of them. Mr. Bingley might like you the best of the party. My dear, you flatter me. I certainly have had my share of beauty, but I do not pretend to be anything extraordinary now. When a woman has five grown daughters, she ought to give over thinking of her own beauty. In such cases, a woman has not often much beauty to think of. But, my dear, you must indeed go and see Mr. Bingley when he comes into the neighborhood. It is more than I engage for, I assure you. But consider your daughters. Only think what an establishment it would be for one of them. Sir William and Lady Lucas are determined to go merely on that account, for in general, you know, they visit no newcomers. Indeed, you must go, for it will be impossible for us to visit him if you do not. You are over-scrupulous, surely. I dare say Mr. Bingley will be very glad to see you, and I will send a few lines by you to assure him of my hearty consent to his marrying whichever he chooses of the girls, though I must throw in a good word for my little Lizzie. I desire you will do no such thing. Lizzie is not a bit better than the others, and I am sure she is not half so handsome as Jane, nor half so good-humoured as Lydia, but you are always giving her the preference. They have none of them much to recommend them, replied he. They are all silly and ignorant like other girls. But Lizzie has something more of quickness than her sisters. Mr. Bingley was good-looking and gentlemanlike. He had a pleasant countenance and easy, unaffected manners. His sisters were fine women with an air of decided fashion. His brother-in-law, Mr. Hurst, merely looked the gentleman. But his friend, Mr. Darcy, soon drew the attention of the room by his fine, tall person, handsome features, noble mien, and the report, which was in general circulation within five minutes after his entrance, of his having ten thousand a year. The gentleman pronounced him to be a fine figure of a man, 
The ladies declared he was much handsomer than Mr. Bingley, and he was looked at with great admiration for about half the evening, till his manners gave a disgust which turned the tide of his popularity. For he was discovered to be proud, to be above his company, and above being pleased. And not all his large estate in Derbyshire could then save him from having a most forbidding, disagreeable countenance and being unworthy to be compared with his friend. Mr. Darcy danced only once with Mrs. Hurst and once with Miss Bingley, declined being introduced to any other lady and spent the rest of the evening in walking about the room, speaking occasionally to one of his own party. His character was decided. He was the proudest, most disagreeable man in the world, and everybody hoped that he would never come there again. Amongst the most violent against him was Mrs. Bennet, whose dislike of his general behaviour was sharpened into particular resentment by his having slighted one of her daughters. Elizabeth Bennet had been obliged, by the scarcity of gentlemen, to sit down for two dances, and during part of that time... Mr. Darcy had been standing near enough for her to overhear a conversation between him and Mr. Bingley, who came from the dance for a few minutes to press his friend to join it. Come, Darcy, said he, I must have you dance. I hate to see you standing about by yourself in this stupid manner. You had much better dance. I certainly shall not. You know how I detest it unless I am particularly acquainted with my partner. At such an assembly as this, it would be insupportable... Your sisters are engaged, and there is not another woman in the room who it would not be a punishment to me to stand with. I would not be so fastidious as you are, cried Bingley, for a kingdom. Upon my honour, I never met with so many pleasant girls in my life as I have this evening, and there are several of them you see uncommonly pretty. You're dancing with the only handsome girl in the room, said Mr. Darcy, looking at the eldest Miss Bennet. Oh, she is the most beautiful creature I ever beheld. But there is one of her sisters sitting down just behind you, who is very pretty and, I dare say, very agreeable. Do let me ask my partner to introduce you. Which do you mean? And turning round, he looked for a moment at Elizabeth, till, catching her eye, he withdrew his own and coldly said, She is tolerable, but not handsome enough to tempt me. You'd better return to your partner and enjoy her smiles, for you are wasting your time with me. Mr. Bingley followed his advice. Mr. Darcy walked off, and Elizabeth remained with no very cordial feelings towards him. She told the story, however, with great spirit among her friends, for she had a lively, playful disposition which delighted in anything ridiculous. The evening altogether passed off pleasantly to the whole family, and they returned, therefore, in good spirits to Longbourn, the village where they lived, and of which they were the principal inhabitants. They found Mr. Bennet still up. He had hoped that all his wife's views on the stranger would be disappointed, but he soon found that he had a very different story to hear. Oh, my dear Mr. Bennet! as she entered the room. We have had a most delightful evening, a most excellent ball. Everybody said how well Jane looked, and Mr. Bingley thought her quite beautiful and danced with her twice. Only think of that, my dear. He actually danced with her twice, and she was the only creature in the room that he asked a second time. She then related, with much bitterness of spirit and some exaggeration, the shocking rudeness of Mr. Darcy. 
But I can assure you, she added, that Lizzie does not lose much by not suiting his fancy, for he is a most disagreeable, horrid man, not at all worth pleasing. The ladies of Longbourn soon waited on those of Netherfield. The visit was returned in due form. Miss Bennet's pleasing manners grew on the goodwill of Mrs. Hurst and Miss Bingley, and though the mother was found to be intolerable, and the younger sisters not worth speaking to, a wish of being better acquainted with them was expressed towards the two eldest. By Jane, this attention was received with the greatest pleasure. But Elizabeth still saw superciliousness in their treatment of everybody, hardly excepting even her sister, and could not like them. Though their kindness to Jane, such as it was, had a value as arising in all probability from the influence of her brother's admiration. It was generally evident whenever they met that he did admire her. HarperCollins is the copyright owner of this recording. HarperCollins has consented to a limited distribution of Harper Audio as an 8 kilohertz computer sound file on Internet Town Hall. It is a violation of United States and international copyright law to copy these recordings in any other way. Harper Audio is a trademark of HarperCollins Publishers, Inc. To order a copy of this tape or to request a catalog of all Harper Audio spoken word cassettes, please call 1-800-C-HARPER or 717-941-1214. Or send mail to harper at town.hall.org. This has been a production of the Internet Multicasting Service. Support for Harper Audio has been provided by HarperCollins and by Sun Microsystems and O'Reilly & Associates. Network connectivity provided by UUNet Technologies and by MFS DataNet. Harper Audio presents Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen, performed by Claire Bloom. Published in 1813, it remains one of the most widely read works in the English language. Elizabeth, as they drove along, watched for the first appearance of Pemberley Woods with some perturbation. And when at length they turned in at the lodge... Her spirits were in a high flutter. She was overpowered by shame and vexation. Her coming there was the most unfortunate, the most ill-judged thing in the world. In what a disgraceful light might it not strike so vain a man. It might seem as if she had purposely thrown herself in his way again. She blushed again and again over the perverseness of the meeting. And his behaviour so strikingly altered. What could it mean? That he should even speak to her was amazing. But to speak with such civility, to inquire after her family. What a contrast did it offer to his last address in Rosings Park when he put the letter into her hand. Mrs. Gardiner was standing a little behind, and he asked Elizabeth if she would do him the honour of introducing him to her friends. This was a stroke of civility for which she was quite unprepared and she could hardly suppress a smile at his being now seeking the acquaintance of some of those very people against whom his pride had revolted in his offer to herself. What will be his surprise, thought she, when he knows who they are? He takes them now for people of fashion. 
that he was surprised by the connection was evident. He sustained it, however, with fortitude and conversation with Mr. Gardner. The conversation soon turned upon fishing, and she heard Mr. Darcy invite him to fish there as often as he chose while he continued in the neighbourhood. After a short silence, he said to Elizabeth, Will you allow me, or do I ask too much, to introduce my sister to your acquaintance during your stay at Lambton? The surprise of such an application was great indeed. It was too great for her to know in what manner she acceded to it. Elizabeth had settled it that Mr. Darcy would bring his sister to visit her the very day after her reaching Pemberley. Miss Darcy and her brother appeared, and this formidable introduction took place. It was not often that she could turn her eyes on Mr. Darcy himself, but whenever she did catch a glimpse, she saw an expression of general complacence, and in all that he said she heard an accent so far removed from hauteur or disdain of his companions, as convinced her that the improvement of manners which she had yesterday witnessed, however temporary its existence might prove, had at least outlived one day. When she saw him civil, not only to herself, but to the very relations whom he had openly disdained, and recollected their last lively scene at Hunsford Parsonage, the difference, the change, was so great, and struck so forcibly on her mind, that she could hardly restrain her astonishment from being visible. Never, even in the company of his dear friends at Netherfield, or his dignified relations at Rosings, had she seen him so desirous to please. Their visitors stayed with them above half an hour, and when they arose to depart, Mr. Darcy called on his sister to join him in expressing their wish of seeing Mr. and Mrs. Gardiner and Miss Bennet at dinner at Pemberley before they left the country. Elizabeth's thoughts were at Pemberley this evening, and the evening, though as it passed it seemed long, was not long enough to determine her feelings towards one in that mansion, and she lay awake two whole hours endeavouring to make them out. She certainly did not hate him. No, hatred had vanished long ago, and she had almost as long been ashamed of ever feeling a dislike against him. The respect created by the conviction of his valuable qualities was now heightened into somewhat of a friendlier nature. But above all, above respect and esteem, there was a motive within her of goodwill which could not be overlooked. It was gratitude. Gratitude, not merely for having once loved her, but for loving her still well enough to forgive all the petulance and acrimony of her manner in rejecting him and all the unjust accusations accompanying her rejection. He who, she had been persuaded, would avoid her as his greatest enemy seemed on this accidental meeting most eager to preserve the acquaintance. Such a change in a man of so much pride excited not only astonishment but gratitude. For to love... Ardent love, it must be attributed. Mr. Bingley arrived. Mrs. Bennet, through the assistance of servants, contrived to have the earliest tidings of it. She counted the days that must intervene before their invitation could be sent. But on the third morning after his arrival in Hertfordshire, she saw him from her dressing-room window enter the paddock and ride towards the house. Her daughters were eagerly called to partake of her joy. 
There is a gentleman with him, Mamma," said Kitty. La, it looks just like that man that used to be with him before. Mr. What's-his-name, that tall, proud man. Good gracious, Mr. Darcy, and so it does, I vow. Well, any friend of Mr. Bingley's will always be welcome here, to be sure, but else I must say that I hate the very sight of him. Jane looked at Elizabeth with surprise and concern. She knew but little of their meeting in Derbyshire, and therefore felt for the awkwardness which must attend her sister in seeing him almost for the first time after receiving his explanatory letter. Both sisters were uncomfortable enough. Each felt for the other, and of course for themselves. And their mother talked on of her dislike of Mr. Darcy and her resolution to be civil to him only as Mr. Bingley's friend, without being heard by either of them. It is a long time, Mr. Bingley, since you went away, said Mrs. Bennet. He readily agreed to it. I began to be afraid you would never come back again. A great many changes have happened in the neighborhood since you went away. Miss Lucas is married and settled, and one of my own daughters. I suppose you have heard of it. Indeed, you must have seen it in the papers. It was not put in as it ought to be. It was only said, lately George Wickham Esquire to Miss Lydia Bennet, without there being a syllable said of her father or the place where she lived or anything. Did you see it? Mr. Bingley replied that he did, and made his congratulations. Elizabeth dared not lift up her eyes. How Mr. Darcy looked, therefore, she could not tell. It is delightful to be sure to have a daughter well married, continued her mother. But at the same time, Mr. Bingley, it is very hard to have her taken such a way from me. They are gone down to Newcastle, a place quite northward, it seems, and there they are to stay I do not know how long. Thank heaven he has some friends, though perhaps not so many as he deserves. Elizabeth, who knew this to be levelled at Mr. Darcy, was in such misery of shame that she could hardly keep her seat. When you have killed all your own birds, Mr. Bingley, said her mother, I beg you will come here and shoot as many as you please on Mr. Bennet's manor. I'm sure he will be vastly happy to oblige you and will save all the best of the coffees for you. Elizabeth's misery increased at such unnecessary, such officious attention. At that instant she felt that years of happiness could not make Jane or herself amends for moments of such painful confusion. Yet the misery, for which years of happiness were to offer no compensation, received soon afterwards material relief from observing how much the beauty of her sister roused the admiration of her former lover. HarperCollins is the copyright owner of this recording. HarperCollins has consented to a limited distribution of Harper Audio as an 8 kilohertz computer sound file on Internet Town Hall. It is a violation of United States and international copyright law to copy these recordings in any other way. Harper Audio is a trademark of HarperCollins Publishers, Inc. To order a copy of this tape or to request a catalog of all Harper Audio spoken word cassettes, please call 1-800-C-HARPER or 717-941-1214 or send mail to harper at town.hall.org. This has been a production of the Internet Multicasting Service. Support for Harper Audio has been provided by HarperCollins and by Sun Microsystems and O'Reilly & Associates. Network connectivity provided by UU Net Technologies and by MFS DataNet.